A smartwatch is a device you wear like a wristwatch, but you can use it to do a lot more than just tell the time. Some smartwatches can display maps or provide turn-by-turn -turn navigation, show notifications about incoming phone calls or text messages, answer your spoken questions, or even let you order a pizza with a single tap on the screen. But while dozens of smartwatches have hit the market in the past few years, the technology is still pretty new, and if you're going to spend hundreds of dollars on a tiny computer you can wear on your wrist, you might want some reassurance that you won't have to buy a new model in a few months because some new must-have feature comes along. One startup has a solution, a modular smartwatch that lets you choose exactly what features your watch will have, and which lets you add new components without buying a whole new watch. It's not trying to trick the consumer into like, oh, just, just buy this new thing, but you're going to get the same old parts just plus a new feature. No, you buy an entire new feature, but it's just the only feature that you buy. Welcome to LPX. I'm Brad Linder. The Blocks smartwatch features a round touchscreen display and a wristband that's made up of modules that house additional sensors and other features. Want a smartwatch with GPS and a heart rate sensor when you're out running, but prefer extra battery life when you're at work or on vacation? You can swap out the modules as needed. And if a new feature catches your eye in a year or two, you might be able to buy a new module instead of a whole new watch. Blocks was co-founded by two students at Imperial College in London in early 2014. And after raising some seed funding and $1.6 million through a Kickstarter campaign the following year, the first Blocks smartwatches are expected to ship in late 2016. I caught up with Blocks co-founder Serge Dedenko over an internet call from Taiwan, and I asked him what makes Blocks different from other smartwatches on the market. When we started thinking about the different types of sensors that smartwatches could have, it's just like dozens and dozens of them. And we realized you cannot put all of them into one watch. You're just simply too many things, too many exciting things we can put in a watch. So that's how we decided to build a modular watch so that you can interchange these things on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if you go to running, you can simply add the running modules. If you go to go on a hike on the weekend, you add those modules. You basically, you change your watch into something else every time. So, so while some companies are putting more and more features in, uh, not everybody needs, say, a heart rate sensor all the time, or not everybody needs GPS all the time. And your idea is, well, why don't you just, you buy the module if you need it sometimes, but you don't have to wear it all the time. You can use that space for something else, like a battery if you need it. The way we saw it is just like, not everybody wants the same thing. Like if you go back to the idea of smartphones, you know, smartphones existed way before the iPhone. And really, they were just phones with extra features added to them. But they were not really personalized to anyone. Like, really, they were just phones with some extra things, like, you know, extra apps. But really, what iPhone did, I mean, obviously, it kind of changed the world by its design and sleekness, but really allowed people to build very customizable experiences in, in software. So, you know, you can, if you go to another country, like I'm now in Taipei, you can download an app which gives me like the metro map of Taipei. You know, I can download an app which I can go do yoga classes in Taipei and so on. So it's very specific to some places or to some interests, you know. So I can turn my phone into something else which is relevant only to me but not to you. It's very unlikely that I have exactly the same apps as anyone else on earth. And the same thing we see about smartwatches, but smartwatches are not just about apps, they're about the sensors, because this is where they really prevail over smartphones. You know, they're about interacting with the environment. And really the way we see blocks is we're taking the same concept of what Apple did with the iPhone and this sandbox called the App Store, and we're taking it to the physical world. So we're creating this modular framework, and you have these modules that you can personalize to your own needs uh, at any given point in time. So, so how would you describe Blocks? Like, what does it look like? How does it work? So Blocks consists of two parts. One is the watch face, which is already a fully 
featured uh, smartwatch. So it has all of the standard functionality of a normal smartwatch, like Apple, Pebble, or kind of Android Wear smartwatches. So it has notifications from your smartphone, activity tracking, uh, voice control, uh, and so on. What's special about Blocks, it has a strap, and a strap is made out of these single modules, each of which can be a different feature, like an extra battery, GPS, heart rate monitor. And the idea is that each module can be just about anything, and uh, we allow users to plug and play these modules as they want with a simple click. So you can exchange modules on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, as you want. Are they hot swappable or do you need to reboot your watch or something when you add a different module? So for, wait, right from the very beginning, we wanted our blocks to be hot swappable. So we've, we've gone through a lot of uh, iterations to get that right. So yeah, we, it is hot swappable. Okay. So as, as soon as you attach it, the, it should be detected and you can start using that feature. Oh yeah. If this wasn't a requirement, we probably would have shortened our development cycle by like six, seven months. But because we really wanted people to play with a watch like Lego, like really being able to just swap out modules and then just go for a run and then come back and just swap it out without having to go to the extra length of powering the device off. Because of that, it kind of took us longer, but we think it's a very important feature. What kind of modules are going to be available when Blocks first launches, which should be a little bit later this year in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're launching in fall this year. We've started with a couple of modules which we felt our community is most interested in. We actually have a community of about 150,000 people on our platform who actually interact with us on a daily basis and we've run surveys to see. Uh, they're most excited about things like extra battery because there's a big problem with smartwatches today that they can't really run for, for long enough. So we had this idea of, okay, why don't we have extra batteries so people can just like swap batteries in and out in addition to the main one, uh, which everyone's really keen on. Uh, GPS, because it's something quite unique and usually adds a lot of bulk to your normal smartwatch and it's not actually available in many of them. We also have a programmable button, which allows you to uh, basically have a button that will do anything at a tap of a finger, um, which we felt like as a cool thing, and our community wanted the most. Uh, we're also introducing flashlight, so you can use it as a flashlight normally, and adventure module, which is basically equivalent of a Casio smartwatch functionality, which introduces humidity, pressure, external temperature sensing. So it's more for adventure type users. And I think in, uh, in fall, we already actually have some other modules in the pipeline. Uh, I'm not really going to say which ones, but we have We've been working with companies who want to partner with us to introduce modules around payments, like NFC solutions, modules around gesture recognition so you can use in gaming, and so on. So the idea really is to build our platform and have as many of these as possible. And, and so you, you mentioned there's you know, more modules on the way and that you're working with companies to develop those. Is that the model that you sort of work with third-party companies and work together to create a module? Or if somebody wanted to create a completely third-party module, Without you, could they just make their own and attach it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're actually making blocks as an open platform because really that's where we see the potential. We've created this kind of sandbox environment in each module that people can go and actually hack their own stuff, like if they actually know how to work with hardware. Uh, but mostly we're going to start with big companies. We're going to go to companies and we're going to use their expertise, their like worldwide leading sensor technologies to put into our platform. Because all it takes for them is just kind of build that single module with us. They don't have to spend millions and millions of dollars on building the entire smartwatch. They can simply just put that into our technology and we can introduce them to an entire new market. But obviously we can have developers just plug and playing and building their own with 3D printing and so on. So, so you mentioned that there's there's a large community of people who are interested in this and have been following it for the last couple of years and providing feedback and their ideas. What's your sense of what they're looking for in a modular watch? Is it that 
they're not happy with the current watches and they want to be able to sort of design their own? Or is it this sort of swappable feature, the fact that they could buy, say, eight modules and only wear four of them at a time, but basically it's like having two or three different watches because you can customize it on the go. Is it sort of that extensibility or the fact that you can sort of create a custom watch or is it both? I think it's the the infinity of opportunities that a modular solution can give you. We talk to different people every day and everyone has their specific modules that they want. Like I talked to someone uh, two days ago and they came up with this crazy idea I should never thought about, which was why don't you build a module uh, which is going to be a laser rangefinder, you know, so that carpenters or builders, they use them to basically measure distance between them and, and on the surface. This person wasn't even a builder. They were just actually a software developer who was very excited about it. So so each person has a very particular thing they want, and they're just very excited to try new technologies. I think that's what our users are after. They're after kind of just exciting new things that smartwatches can provide. Also, they don't want to be locked in into one single device. I think a big thing about blocks is that you really don't have to buy a new smartwatch every year, but you can simply upgrade by buying new modules, which are much cheaper than buying an entire new device. So we're going along that idea that watches are made to last. And with blocks, you can, you know, you can upgrade your device at a much slower pace than you would if you would have bought like a new device every year. The price is something I wanted to get into as well, because you know, some people spend $10 on a watch at the drugstore and they use it to tell the time, and other people spend thousands of dollars on luxury watches that might last for 30 or 40 years. And smartwatches are sort of in this weird category now because some of them cost hundreds or thousands of dollars. But I don't think anybody expects that a smartwatch you buy today is still going to be as useful in, say, 10 years. This allows you to change some of the functionality. But as you mentioned, the core module, it has a screen, it has a processor, it has memory. And maybe in three or five years, it's going to feel a little bit dated. Maybe it won't be able to run the latest software. I guess in that case, you could keep your modules and just upgrade that core module. But these things aren't cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. And the way we see it is like we're trying to just break the cycle that hardware companies today are building their devices and big companies, I'm not going to point fingers here, but really a lot of players in this market are here because they introduce new devices to us every year. Uh, and the whole entire business model is based on the fact that they will make us desire a new phone or a new tablet or a new laptop just because it has these extra new features. But in, in actual fact, it's just a, another device, one extra new thing. You know, obviously we cannot provide a, an eternal phone or eternal watch to users, you know, with a modular solution, but at least we can kind of extend that cycle, you know, so you can keep like upgrading it and maybe instead of replacing every year, replace it every four years or three years. We're still saving money. You're still kind of saving the environment. So, so as the as the first generation blocks is about to go on sale or go up for pre-order, I guess through Kickstarter. I guess the idea here is that three hundred and thirty dollars gets you the watch plus four modules, so you have a certain number of features, right? Yeah, as I mentioned, the Blocks watch face, or well, as we call it, the core, has all this ton of functionality in a smartwatch. So the way we'll do is we'll actually price it similar to other smartwatches in the market. We feel it's kind of the same thing. You invest money into this core, but it will last you much longer because you will be upgrading modules rather than the core itself. You know, Smartwatches are more about the sensors rather than the faster processor in most cases. And um, so you buy this core for a standard smartwatch price, and then you have these modules. Uh, each module will cost around... 30 to 50 dollars really depending on what it is and then you would just buy them one by one uh, right now we, because we're just launching we're kind of doing a one one-off package where it's actually cheaper so you get a core uh, which is the main watch face plus four modules for 330 dollars later on it will be a bit more expensive but if you think about in terms of upgradeability cycles it actually saves a lot of money do you have a sense of, I mean, you're not offering this package right now, but do you have a sense of if somebody just wanted the core and a bunch of dummy modules to use as a wristband, what that would cost? 
the core will be around $230 and uh, you will get a strap with it. Oh, the one very amazing thing I forgot to mention. So the cool thing about blocks is that you don't have to have it as a modular watch all the time. You simply can have the watch face, which is a fully featured smartwatch, plus a nice leather strap or sports strap. But it's only really if you need extra modules, you can add them for very specific things like running, hiking, some extra business applications, or maybe you just want to one extra module with, you know, not have four of them, but just one. So it really gives you that freedom. And so those straps, are they something that somebody would have to buy from you or can you use a standard watch strap with it? Uh, we're actually developing a connector so you could use a standard watch strap and just plug it into our like adapter. So, yeah. So, so again, you know, we, we're talking about some of the different features here, and clearly things like, say, that laser uh, range finder, that's something that nobody's ever probably going to build into a mainstream smartphone or, or a smartwatch because it's not something that's going to appeal to the masses. It's something that's going to appeal to very specific people. But when you talk about sort of the core functions here, you know, a flashlight, GPS, uh, heart rate sensor, um, a lot of these things are available on other devices. Um, and, and, and I guess it sort of still gets me back to, you know, I'm not actually wearing a smartwatch right now because I just take my phone out of my pocket when I want to do those things. So much of what today's smartwatches do, you can already do on a phone. So I guess what's the pitch? You know, like why, why do we need wearables instead of pocketables? We agree. Smartwatches today are useless, right? Kind of either fun to play with, but really as a necessity, they're useless. Right now, they're simply gadgets, and we totally agree with this right now. I think smartwatches are great for two things. So I still believe, obviously, in the idea uh, one is they are for quick access to your technology, your virtual world. And two, they're for doing things that a smartphone simply cannot do. So the first one is about the quick access. The problem with smartwatches today is actually faster to pull out a phone from your pocket. But as soon as the AI technology, the voice recognition gets faster, we'll be able to interact with our technology via voice. And the most convenient place to interact with something on the go is really talking to your watch rather than pulling a phone out of your pocket. You know? So smartwatches will become a necessity with that becoming a thing. And also because you're going to be using voice rather than like swiping on a screen all the time, the battery life is really going to improve because really most of the battery draw comes from the screen being on all the time. So, so actually the battery life of smartwatches as AI voice recognition will get better will really improve and basic smartwatch will become just your your input, your port into entering the, the virtual world and quickly interacting with it. And the other thing I mentioned, you know, apart from being just a quick access port, is doing things that smartphones cannot do. And really this is all about either your body or the environment. There's so many cool health and sports oriented sensors that smartwatches will be able to do it as the wearables category grows. Right now we do have some kind of not always very accurate heart rate tracking, but you know we've seen startups doing ECG tracking with, with wearables and, and actually wrist-worn devices which can do ECG tracking, which is already much more accurate than standard optical heart rate tracking. We've seen devices do GPS, gesture recognition. We've seen uh, devices track the environment, maybe even help workers uh, in factories actually detect uh, personal levels of various gases in the atmosphere for health and safety. We've seen technologies that's upcoming about blood glucose monitoring, blood oxygen monitoring, you know, which is again much more in depth, kind of medical grade, in look. Uh, there's, there's just like so many things that they can do potentially. It's just we're only just starting in this field. You know, it will come slowly, but it will come with with improvements in all of these kind of sensor technologies and with improvements in AI for voice. You know, smartwatches will gradually, without you really noticing, they will 
become a device that that's going to be a necessity. And, and and so modularity, as we talked about, you know, sort of keeping it up to date, having the latest sensors and new features. We're at a time now when some of the first smartwatches are already reaching end of life. You know, Google launched its Android Wear platform a couple of years ago, and some of the first devices included things like the Motorola Moto 360, which we recently found out it will not run Android Wear 2.0. Google's just not going to push that update for it because the hardware doesn't really support it. I guess the fact that you can change the hardware in your smartwatch, it opens up that possibility that if future software requires new hardware, you could have the new hardware without changing your whole watch, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, right now we are launching with Android, so it's actually stock Android rather than Android Wear, because we uh, we needed that kind of access and customizable access to the low levels of the OS. It really gives us a way to to sharing our technology with a lot of developers in the world who are familiar with Android. If it comes to date, like you've mentioned, uh, when we do need to upgrade, I mean, yeah, but our users will be able to upgrade the core. They don't need to upgrade the entire watch, which still makes it feel like you're keeping some parts of your watch which are growing with you, uh, but just replacing a single part. So, so let's talk a little bit about the software. You mentioned that it's it's based on Google Android, but it's not Android Wear. Some people might groan and say, well, that means all of the apps for Android Wear aren't going to work. But it's a it's a flexible operating system. It supports all the hardware that's that's designed to work with it. What are some of the things that you'll be able to do with this smartwatch? So, so it literally runs stock Android. Uh, it's just in a different screen size. When we went for Android, what we realized is actually uh, a lot of people tend to misinterpret what uh, apps mean in the watch world versus what apps mean in a phone world. As I mentioned, phones are good because you can have dozens of apps on your phone or hundreds of apps and you can open them when you need them. With watches, you don't really use apps and you don't really interact with them so often. Watches are all about having maybe four or five very, very specific apps that allow you to do very specific functions that are personal to you. So really, if you th- we think about app platforms, you know, watches are good, but if you ever really talk to someone who's used a smartwatch for a long time, you'll find that they don't actually use that many apps. They maybe use like four or five apps most of the time. Watches are for doing things which are repetitive and quick access things. They're not for like doing one-off things. So we kind of believe that the choice of apps on the watches shouldn't be like millions like it is on, on phones. Um, but we're still going for the Android because it allows us to kind of build those apps because maybe some users will be using some apps very regularly, but they will be very different to the ones to others, right? So you can, some people may be calling an Uber all the time on their, on their watch because they just find it convenient. Others will check the weather. Um, some others will like call for their garage to open with a voice control on their, on a watch or something, you know. There's still different apps, but they're being used on a daily basis. So it'll be able to do notifications. It'll be able to tell you if you have a phone call or a text message and all those sorts of things. But what about you know, specific things? Like say some people like RunKeeper and some people might like FitnessPal or you know other different sorts of applications. Would they just essentially install the full version of that app on their phone to sync their data? Or is there a way that it synchronizes with your phone? How, how does that work when you're running sort of two Android devices? I think there is a couple of apps that our community always is asking about. And mostly it's to do with running and some very like key apps to our lives and really you could probably count them on if not two pairs of hands then maybe three uh, really you know you're talking about like facebook which is actually part of the notification framework that you get with android regardless so we don't really need to even implement a facebook app on the watch you just need to be able to pull data from android with the facebook notification and then reply in a standard framework so a lot of the notifications you get from apps actually can be handled by android automatically we don't even need to do anything there 
but we're talking about integrations with Strava, MapMyRun, Runtastic, and so on. So these ones we will have to do, but because we are running Android, integrating and then linking up to the APIs which are already provided by those apps wouldn't really be a big challenge. So we are planning to roll out a lot of the key apps that our users are asking, and uh, we don't particularly feel it will be uh, very challenging. And, and so you mentioned integrating with sort of some of these third-party APIs. Are you reaching out to some of those companies and saying, hey, do you want to develop for blocks? Or as a small company, does it make more sense for you just to say, well, we'll make it ourselves because they have an API that lets us create our own app that taps into their services? Yeah, I, th- I think first we'll probably just do it ourselves with our just software partners. But we're kind of thinking we have, we're going to have about 20 standard apps that you would find on a normal Samsung Gear S2 watch or an Apple watch. And these are the 20 apps that you, yeah, they are installed by default. You know, like Stopwatch, Weather App, calling your, you know, your favorite contacts. Uber, Spotify will come also very soon. Making other integrations, uh, we'll probably do some of them ourselves initially, but then we'll probably reach out to companies later in the beginning of next year. So who are you? And, and, and how did you get the idea that, that this is something that you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah, good question. Me and my uh, co-founder, Ali, we, we both uh, had a background in biomedical engineering. So we were keen on using engineering technology for augmenting the human body, either to sense something about the human body or actually making it interact with machines. So my particular field was about uh, health and, and sports, and his one was actually about gesture recognition and so on. So when we started thinking about some kind of wearable, we couldn't agree on what, uh, what smartwatch would make sense for each of us. So we didn't really want to compromise on what features we want on a smartwatch. I wanted everything to do with health, and he wanted everything to do with like cool gesture recognition devices that you can control, and various apps and, and gaming devices. Uh, and this is right how Blocks was born. It was born out of this kind of not compromising debate that each person deserves their own personal watch with their own personal features, not just as apps, but as you know, sensors or physical assets. So we started off as two people two and a half years ago. We were both studying at uh, Imperial College, which we graduated already in London. Uh, we called upon our friends to join us, and we've grown from like two people to now a team of 20, um, depending how you count, part-time, full-time people. And we're, we have offices in London. Uh, we've also uh, set up a huge engineering office in Taiwan because we're working with one of the biggest manufacturers in the world called Compile Electronics. So we have a team of engineers here. And we've just recently um, started expanding and opened an office in the Bay Area in California. And where's the funding coming from? Is this all from a crowdfunding campaign or are there you know, other sources of income? We've raised uh, a seed round uh, before the crowdfunding campaign. Um, then we've had a $1.6 million Kickstarter. And since then, we've actually been uh, raising a round. Uh, but I cannot disclose how much yet. So, you know, at this point, you're a real company. It's not just a silly idea that a couple of people had that you're like, oh, let's see if we can make it. You've actually got funding, you've actually got products, and, and you're getting ready to ship them this year after after a Kickstarter campaign in 2015. Yeah. And, you know, we could have launched our Kickstarter way, way, way before before we actually did. But, we you know, we really didn't want to put something out there without knowing that we can make it. So we've held out for a long time. And we may, we could have actually made much more... <laughs> much more in funds and Kickstarter, just because there were no smartwatches at the time when we started. There were just a couple. You know, there was no Apple Watch. There was, there was not even a... It was a big community to really um, tap into. But we really felt that we only want to deliver this product if we can have the reassurance that we have the right partners to launch. We can actually, you know, make it a reality. So yeah, right now we're quite confident we have the right partners. We're working with, as I mentioned, this one of the biggest manufacturers in the world. They've done smartwatches before. 
Uh, we have support from uh, Qualcomm and Arm, who are actually very close with us, and they provide uh, a lot of assistance, technical assistance on their technologies to us. Uh, we have all the right advisors who've been there, people who worked with Nokia, IBM, uh, Google, and many other companies. So we feel like um, we're on track. Modularity is kind of hot these days, right? Like a couple of years ago when you announced this, it was just sort of a dream. You know, now we're expecting Google's Project R to come out, which is a very modular smartphone. It's not exactly what they initially promised, but it's actually pretty similar to Blocks in that you get a, a base of a phone and you can change out the modules to add functions to that phone. But we also see LG is sort of, they've released the G5 smartphone with this slot that allows you to add different functions. Motorola's Moto Z has the Moto Mods platform that allows you to snap modules onto the back of the phone. And Fairphone has put out a phone that is modular in a slightly different way. They're not so far making third-party modules, but they are making it easy to replace broken parts or to uh, potentially upgrade if there are future upgrades. Why, why do you think modularity is having a moment right now? I feel like we've just reached a stage where there's been a revolution in apps and allowing consumers to really customize their apps and their experiences on the web to their particular needs. And then it just came to a point where Arduino came along in 2011. And by the way, that's my personal view, but Arduino and all these open hardware projects, they kind of enforced that onto hardware. And you know, I think uh, the concept of a modular phone, it wasn't just developed by Google, it wasn't just developed by Motorola or I think it was time to basically say that hardware today is really built in, in a way to be made obsolete so that users can all go and buy a new device the next year with just a few more new features. And it was a time for everyone to say, okay, actually, you can do things different ways. You can split the upgrade cycles and you can actually allow users to customize their devices in more ways and be more free. So uh, I think it's just a natural thing, really. Right. And, and, you know, once upon a time with desktop computers, it was easy to upgrade the processor or the, well, not easy for everybody, but, but you could open the case and you could replace parts. You could put in more storage and more memory. With laptops, that got a little bit harder. With smartphones, it's virtually impossible <laughs> with, with most smartphones up until recently. And part of that was with this iPhone style of smartphone, it was the way you fit everything in the case was by making it hard to upgrade because it was just the way it was manufactured. And, um, and so it did lead to this sort of planned obsolescence, this idea that every two years people would just go out and buy a new phone. And there's definitely some pushback from the consumer side, but I feel like the industry's gotten really used to that. And you see all these headlines about, oh, our smartphone sales slowing, our tablet sales slowing. They get very concerned. Modularity, I guess, sort of opens up a new business front, though, too, in that, well, maybe it's okay if somebody holds onto their phone for five years or their watch for five years because there's something else that if you really need to make money selling things, you can sell them modules. Yeah, and it's still kind of decreasing the amount of electronic waste that you have. You know, because if you're recycling an entire phone every year, you, know, you really are recycling all the toxic parts. If you're recycling just a module, it's so much less. Uh, and, and really, it's giving that freedom to the consumer. So I'm not saying that companies who are building module devices wouldn't do this, but it's it's not trying to trick the consumer into like, oh, just, just buy this new thing, but... You're going to get the same old parts just plus a new feature. No, you buy an entire new feature, but it's just the only feature that you buy. You know, we're not going to package something extra to you and sell it with extra $100 packaged in. No, we're just going to sell you one extra super advanced heart rate monitor that we've been really working on and we're very excited, but we sell you just that new part. We're not trying to package in extra things that you don't need, you know, and I think that's why modularity is beautiful in that way. Yeah, it's a different type of revenue model. It's based around uh, user retention. Uh, in some in some ways, you can you can argue, uh, but at the same time, we are keeping it open. So we we are very open about getting others into building these modules. So it's not really 
like we're trying to make it into a closed system at all. One thing I think might concern people about ordering any product from a startup, from a company that's never shipped a product before is, okay, so if I buy it today, clearly it'll, it'll continue to work for as long as it works, but how long will there be support? You know, how do I know if I buy a, a Blocks watch in 2016 that Blocks will even still exist in 2018 to be able to provide support and, and upgrades and other things? Is there anything you can say to that concern? Obviously, there are some things which are which cannot quite be guaranteed if you're a startup. But uh, all I want to say is we are raising enough funding and we have enough partners to really take us through this. Um, so we're not just a Kickstarter project. We're actually uh, developing as, as a as a pretty big company. And we, we have very, very uh, close ties with all of the technology companies that we work with so that we are not stopped in any way in any of their components of blocks, neither hardware, nor manufacturing, nor there's some, any license fees or the software. So, so we've talked about modular watches. We've sort of touched on the idea of modular phones. If there was something else in the world that you could make modular, what would it be? <laughs> belts <laughs> so, like people come up with this idea of having a modular belt uh, which I think is pretty <laughs> funny but I think it's just like technology uh, enthusiasts and I don't know I would love to have one um, I feel with the incoming of I, I, I really do believe in the IoT revolution is that you know our technology will be actually diversified across many different devices and you can have swappable modules from your wrist to something else it really depends on the geometry but i feel that you know we'll have lots of devices around us which will seamlessly interconnect with each other you know i actually saw this very cool uh, indiegogo project where they had basically built a laptop which has a screen a keyboard and a massive battery inside and that's about it what you do is you take your phone you connect it via cable to this thing which looks like a laptop and then your phone then projects an image through a port onto this laptop thing. You know, and I think it's very cool because you have this central unit, which is your smartphone, which is like this brick which sits in your pocket. But then you have you have this brick interacting with all devices around you, like your laptop, which is not really a laptop, your watch, which is kind of like a watch, but really most of the things are done on the smartphone. You know, and I think like IoT will be basically that. It will be like a seamless interaction with things, not just laptops, not just tablets, not just watches, but it will be your car, it will be your smart home, your Amazon Echo device and so on. So that's kind of like my greater belief. Uh, it doesn't really talk about modularity, but I do think there are other devices you can make modular. Computers should go back to being modular, really, like Apple's kind of turn things around a little bit, but I believe that laptops will go back to this eventually. Cars are modular by design, really. Uh, maybe someone will build up an easier to customize car maybe in the future. Serge Dedenko is co-founder of Blocks. Thanks for joining us on LPX. Thanks, Brad. You can find more details about the company's modular smartwatch at chooseblocks.com. You can also find more information at lpxshow.com, where you'll also find more episodes of the podcast and a bunch of ways to subscribe to the show. LPX is in iTunes, Google Play Music, just about anywhere else that you find podcasts. We also have a Patreon campaign. You can help support the show by making a contribution of any amount at patreon.com slash bradlinder, or you can follow the link to that campaign at lpxshow.com. Thanks for listening to LPX. I'm Brad Linder.